Hello, my podcast family. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. Today, we're looking at a pretty lengthy psalm, Psalm 22, and I'm not going to read it in its entirety because it has 31 verses, but we'll look at a significant amount and then we will discuss reading from the new american standard version i'm going to start off reading verses 1 through 10. my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish my god i cry out by day but you do not answer by night but i find no rest yet you are enthroned as the holy one you are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Now I'm going to go to verses 19 through 21. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Now I'm reading verses 27 through 31. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For the dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to the people yet unborn all that he has done. In verse 25, I should have read this one. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who feel you, fear you, I will fulfill my vows. Sorry for the jumbled up (laughs) going back and forth. But there's a lot in this psalm, isn't there? There are all sorts of categories or emotions, I should say, that are reflected in this psalm. So when you find it in your Bibles, what you will see is that this song is to be sung, which I find fascinating. And I'm thinking, you know, when you read it and you hear how David is um, kind of in God's face as some aspect of it, and we'll get into a little detail, um, and then how he talks about how he's being persecuted and, and what is happening to him, it, it, it is remorseful and it's... Um, very distressing and for me it's almost like the negro spirituals how they would sing um people who were enslaved speaking singing about the hurt and the trials that they were going through and so maybe 
maybe that's how this should be looked at when you when you see that it's supposed to be sung you know the the distress that David is feeling and emoting from this particular psalm kind of reminds me of the Negro spirituals but then again that's just me um I think and and I said David so yes David is the author of this song I mean he is in distress and so much distress that he sort of loses it for a little while that's verse one and and understand that this psalm is speaking directly to God the very first verse when he says my God my God why have you forsaken me that should immediately remind you of Jesus on the cross doesn't Jesus make that same distressing comment yeah he does and I suspect that some of you out there if not all of you out there as I have made the same type of a distressed call God why God why are you allowing me to and then you fill in the blank it's pretty much the same thing we believe God has left us forsaken us that's why we're experiencing something that is difficult you know just experiencing life stressors we kind of think God has left us because we kind of want things to be rainbows and unicorns I know I always say that phrase but that's kind of what we want but that's not how it is on this world uh, as we live in this world in the very next verse David um, makes God aware of how displeased David is with God's lack of attention because he's like I've been calling you day and night and you've not answered (laughs) what's up with that that's basically what David is saying Next, then, to me, David gets really nasty in the next verse. And, and that those are vo- verses um, 1 through 5, where he gets sort of nasty, where he's acknowledging God for being God. And, you know, God, you, you sit up on high. And then kind of throws in the face of God what his ancestors did. My ancestors trusted you and you delivered them you know referring to the Jewish um, nation when they were enslaved in um, Egypt and God brought them out and see when you just read that you could think oh he's just remembering what happens it's the following verse that to me makes these two verses sort of nasty because he's saying you delivered my ancestors you know like you helped my mom or you helped my brother or you helped my friend you know how it is when we pray to God but you did you haven't helped me and that's what the next verse addresses but i am a worm i am i am not even a man to me he's kind of throwing it in his face and then something help happens when he's doing that comparison between himself and his ancestors and why God is silent with him versus, you know, he delivered his ancestors. So David thinks, obviously, I must be unworthy. But then something starts to happen. Verses 6 and 8, I think David once again tries to manipulate God by saying, you know, hey, Lord, I'm trying to worship you, but people are making fun of me. You know, they're they're making fun of me for trusting you. So you need to do something about it. It's kind of manipulative. And then we have verse 9 and 10. 
where David provides a background into his early relationship with God, identifying that God was with him from the very beginning in his mother's womb. David, to me, is no different from us, right? God was with David in his mother's womb, and God is with you and has been with you in your mother's womb. From the very beginning, in Jeremiah, didn't he say, in your mother's womb, I formed you, I knew you. No different. It's consistency in the Bible. But it's after David makes that statement in verses 9 and 10 that for me, David becomes more calm. Remembering that calms David. Stating the the fact that, okay, God has been with me calms him down and then he can present the issues of what he's facing with his enemies right that they're pursuing me Lord and I need your help verse 15 he confesses that he's tired and he's worn out and he does it very descriptively when he says my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth it's like he's just so worn out and dried out it's just he can't do anything now he's just telling God the situation he's not yelling at God he's not trying to manipulate God after that then he petitions God with a more contrite spirit he's more humbled than when he started and out of all of this after he finishes with the petition of what he needs God to do he then speaks to being able to praise God because he's able to get stuff off of his chest but we know God expects us to praise him even when we may not feel like praising. That's the sacrifice of praise. When, you, when things aren't going well, when you don't feel well, where emotionally you feel distraught. Yet, we are to praise God. Because remember, he's bigger than our circumstances. And despite what we're going through, he's still good. So my question is, what do you think happened between verses 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then verse 19, where he states, let's see, 19, where he states, but you, Lord, are not far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help. What do you think took place between that? I think what happened is it was it was David's attitude that changed and his attitude changed I think was triggered by verses 9 and 10 after he remembered that God's been there God's been there it humbled him it calmed him down it was the salve that he needed And I think oftentimes we need to remember that. That God has been with you from the very beginning. He's been with you on the boat. He may have been asleep at the bottom (laughs) when you were going through the storm. But he was there in the boat with you, which meant the boat was going to cross on the other side. Nothing could have deterred it. Jesus was with them and he is with you. After David is humbled and he's calm, the remainder of the Psalms, you know, the verses that follow, 
especially starting at verses 27, they're more prophetic, a prophetic narrative of how God will rule over the land and the people. I think oftentimes we have to acknowledge the fact that we can get bent out of sorts at times. We're flawed humans. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But this psalm gives us a great indication of how we can come to God just distressed, fussing at God, you know, trying to manipulate God to do things our way. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will remind you, God's been with you from the beginning. And that changes your attitude because it puts you in the proper perspective of who God is and who you are. Because what David stated of him being a worm isn't far from the truth, right? We're as filthy rags before God, yet he chooses to love us and to be with us. Through Jesus, we have access to God and we are no longer filthy rags. But we need to remember that it is because of Jesus that we have that access and to stop be bratty little children. Yes, God tells us to come to him as we are. And sometimes he allows us to to be bratty and to voice an attitude. But we should always remember that God has been with us from the beginning. To allow that to penetrate our hearts so that we can be humbled when we go before him and we can just let our petitions be made known to him. We can be truthful with we're tired and we need rest, especially in our caregiving season. There were days when I'd go to God and I'm like, I'm tired. I just, I'm going to need you to help me through this. I need, I need a break, Lord. I need a break. And he would give me one. Now, would the break come immediately that day? No, sometimes it would be a couple of weeks. And then one of my friends in Hawaii would ask, hey, you want to go somewhere for the weekend? Can I come over and sit? God is always with us. And that's what we should remember. Now, before I go, we have not put this in a category. But the first verse should give you the category that it falls into. It's a lament. (laughs) It's a lament. And lamenting is not wrong. It allows us to get the emotion that sometimes we allow to, that sometimes we allow to kind of have control over our whole being. Our, our emotions aren't to drive our actions. We, our emotions, we are to remain in check in a sense. Don't always act on your emotions of anger and sometimes love. (laughs) You know, you could get involved in some situations you should not be involved in. But we need to counter those with wisdom before we put that into action. And so coming to God lamenting and letting him know this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on and I'm distressed and I don't know what to do. is perfectly fine. It helps us get rid of the load and give it to Jesus. But there still is a way that we should do it that honors and pleases him. David gives us an example of, hmm, maybe we shouldn't start off with the first part of the verse, but kind of start off where it says, verse 9, where you brought me out of my mom's womb. Start with that and then go to the rest. Let's pray. 
Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for being a God who is always showing us how we can um, have a better understanding of you and a more intimate relationship with you. Showing us that it is okay for us to come and to voice our concerns and to be honest with you of all of the things we are feeling. But to remember that you are God and there's and that you are holy and so that there is an attitude that we must come and approach you with a level of humility that we couldn't we can't come to you with pride we can't come to you with haughtiness but we come to you seeking your mercy confessing our sins being humble before you to recognize that you are a mighty God, a mighty God who loves us. You promise to always be by our side, and therefore there is no reason for us to get upset or to distrust you because you're always going to be here with us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to voice our concerns to you, but help us to always be mindful that you've been with us from the very beginning. I pray that you touch each and every person who's listening today. You know what is going on in in their lives and you know what they're in need of. I come standing in agreement with their prayers for assistance. Your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And so Father, we thank you for being here with us as we discussed Psalms 22. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, my podcast family, you go and you read Psalms 22 and see what you get out of it. And go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.